0: Welcome to Quantum number 194. We normally go look at news and views and culture from throughout the world. This week, we're doing a special and we're going to focus on one particular subject that is very important, that is dominating our media, causing an immense harm that some people think it's a bit of a joke and it's not that serious. And others realize, and I would be one of these that this is one of the most fundamental issues facing humanity today. And so what I want to do is approach this subject from a Christian perspective and try and explain how important it is. Now, what am I speaking about? Well, we're speaking about transgender and the whole issues coming around that. Now, in the UK, in the USA, in Australia here with the election this issue keeps coming up it comes up in schools it comes up at work so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna ask some key questions I'm gonna <coughs> give you some information there's a there's a huge amount of information I've got pages and pages I've been involved in this for many many years uh, I'll point you to some resources We will do what we usually do in terms of using music as well to help us understand. I'll give you some very uh, personal examples, things that that I actually know. But I do want to say right at the very beginning, uh, we need to be very careful in this. Our aim, this is for those of you who are not Christians who want to understand, those of us who are Christians who want to understand. It's for any who are listening to this who are transgender people as well. I want you to know that right off from the beginning, the Christian point of view is that all human beings are equal in God's sight and that all of us have the same need to come to know him through Jesus Christ. But okay, let's begin to get into this issue. And let me begin by uh, playing this from the latest Senate hearings.
2: Can you provide a definition for the word
1: woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not in okay. this context.
2: So I'm you believe not a biologist. the meaning of
0: the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition?
1: Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, People make arguments and I look at the law and I decide. So I'm not... The fact that... That was,
0: of course, Judge Brown. uh, And then this from the Australian Department of Health. Judge Brown said she couldn't say what a woman was because she wasn't a biologist. So let's go to the Department of Health. Can someone please provide me with a definition of what a woman is? (laughs) Department of Health. Definition of a man. Definition of a woman. Anyone? Pretty basic, basic
3: stuff. Professor Murphy. <laughs> there, look. I think there are there are a variety of definitions, and mm. I, I think a simple perhaps, one. perhaps to give a, a more fulsome answer, we should take that on notice. You're going to
0: take on notice yeah. the question of what a woman no, is. No,
3: well, there, there are vari- there, it, It's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very contested space at the moment. Mm. It's not I just mean, a woman who's born a woman, but Andrew. there are definitions in terms of how people identify
0: themselves so we're happy to provide
3: our working Uh, definitions. I've only been here two years that's the best thing I've seen thus far. Thank you so much.
0: Well apparently it's such a difficult question what is a woman they have to take it on notice. They argue it's a contested space. Or again in the same area Senator Claire Chandler who's been very very good on women's sports thing speaking to the Department of Women. Now if you'd expect anyone to know, you'd think the Department of Women would know what a woman is. But?
2: So, um, in terms of in the Office for Women, we we recognise uh, individuals who identify as women uh, and that's in accordance with the Australian Government guidelines on the recognition of sex and gender.
1: Right. Um, On what basis do you use those guidelines to guide that Decision that, that
2: that that policy position. So, Senator, um, in terms of answering your question, as, as I say, we we follow the Australian Government guidelines on the recognition of sex and gender. So, um, I guess in terms of. Uh, Looking at our grants program, to take an example, so uh, we've talked uh, quite a bit uh, today about the expansion of the Women's Leadership and Development Program. Uh, so, in in terms of uh, the grant guidelines, it would it would talk it talks about the fact that those grants are there to assist women's safety, um, women's economic security, women's leadership, to to um, boost women's workforce participation, to, to assist to keep women safe. Uh, and then in terms of, uh, in terms of the definition, uh, it then comes back to where I started in answer to your question, uh, in terms of, of us uh, recognising any individual who identifies as, as a woman.
1: So to be clear then...
0: Any individual the who identifies as a woman, did you pick that up? You're a woman if you identify as one. It's extraordinary. Now I do want to define our terms here. Sydney Anglicans had an absolutely excellent report a couple of ye- years ago and what I'll do is I'm going to put links to virtually all of these stories. There will be a lot of links on the website and this is what they say and I think this is very helpful. Transgender is an umbrella term for people who were born either male or female but whose psychological or emotional gender identity differs to some extent from their biological sex. These people may express their felt gender through gender bending and or cross-dressing, and sometimes through cross-hormone therapy and or sex, reassignment surgery. This gender expression is an attempt to bring their body into alignment with their felt gender. There are two main groups under the transgender umbrella. Firstly, there are gender experimenters, ideologues and activists who attempt to challenge conventional expressions of gender. They believe that gender is simply a social construct, which is chosen and fluid, and can be subject to change within an individual, and not tied to biology. For them, transgender identity is a form of protest. By contrast, the second group has a binary view of sex and gender, i.e. male and female, but experiences varying levels of distress from a felt incongruence between their gender identity and biological sex. Okay, that's the intro. This is going to be a longer uh, podcast than normal, but as I said, this is really important and we need to be really careful and really precise. So my first major question is this, how is this being promoted? How have we got to a point where a judge, a Supreme Court judge, where politicians, where the Department of Health, where the Department for Women cannot tell us what a woman is. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just listen to a little bit of music.
1: I met
3: her in a club down in North Where you drink champagne And it tastes like Coca-Cola C-O-L-A, cola cola She walked up to me She asked me to dance
0: Lola from the 1960s, Uh, I think possibly ahead of its time, but they were certainly aware of the fact that someone could uh, dress like a woman or even feel like a woman but actually be a man. Now, how has this whole transgender ideology, and here we are talking about the ideology, particularly based on... On queer theory how has this come to so dominate I, I would what I would call the cultural gatekeepers and the political gatekeepers well let me just list the way that this works first of all academia actually I'm not just going to list I'm going to talk about each one in particular our elite universities have swallowed hook line and sinker queer theory now this is the theory that uh, gender is just a social construct, has nothing to do with biology. It spreads out in lots of ways. So for example, if you want an example of this, Professor Kathleen Stock, whose book I would highly recommend, was uh, forced to quit her University of Sussex post because of the abuse and trashing received from colleagues and students for saying that biological sex was absolutely essential in being a woman. Now, you wouldn't think that was controversial, but you can be absolutely cancelled. It's one of the most controversial things you can now say. But it began in academia, and there have been very few academics as as brave as Professor Stock to, who's to stand up to this. Secondly, after academia... It's through the media. Now, basically, the filters from academia, you know, the, the the BBC and and numerous other media institutions, the students go on, they become journalists, they become executives and all the rest of it. It's being fed to us through soap operas. A number of years ago, I predicted that virtually every soap opera would have a trans character because the, the idea is basically to get the population to follow the same line and then the BBC here's just one example in terms of uh, an educational program listen to this now here is a BBC sex education program mainstream telling nine-year-olds that there are over 100 genders and that becoming trans is a way to be happy
3: What are the different gender
0: identities? That's
1: a really, really exciting question to ask. Do you know, there are so many gender identities. So we know we've got male and female, but there are over a hundred, if not more, gender identities now. So we know that some people might feel like they're two different genders, so people might think they're bi-gender, and then you've got some people who might call themselves genderqueer, who are just like, I don't really want to be anything in particular, I'm just going to be me.
0: So, we've got the media, We've got academia, the media, then the arts. Um, of course, the the arts councils in Australia, in the UK, in America, they're all going to be incredibly pro-trans and encourage trans uh, artists and people to express trans things, and, and and to the extent of of trashing other values. So, for example, in the UK. Uh, a person who threatened women with baseball bats has received 16,000 pounds worth of government's finding to produce art such as transgender bodies with mammoths, penises and breasts, which is to go into every school in the country. That's what taxpayers' money is being used for. Then there are the big corporations. Here, for example, are Disney with one of their latest adverts.
1: Max loves to do backflips. Max loves to play his ukulele. Max loves to just be a kid and just be himself. When I found out I was pregnant, all I really wanted was a happy, healthy, whole child. And that's what I got. If you've never met a transgender child before, what I want you to know is that that child is no different than yours. They have the same hopes and dreams and deserve the same equality as your child does. We tell our kids as often as we can that we love them in as many ways as possible. There are some politicians who are trying to tear my family apart simply because my son is transgender. Trans kids don't have a political agenda. They are just kids. They just want to be left alone. My family's just like yours. We love our kids unconditionally and we will never stop fighting for them. Stand with us. Protect our families.
0: That portrays those who oppose transgender as seeking to tear families apart the big corporations are really pushing this because again it's 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 part of a general cultural thing whereby they are able to portray themselves as social justice warriors dare i say woke and it does it costs them virtually nothing so they get to make money they get to retain their power but somehow they can say that they are radicals particularly this issue and then there are the politicians this from the united states
1: last item for you before we get to your questions Uh, Across the country, as we've talked about a bit in here, Republican elected officials are engaging in a disturbing, cynical trend of attacking vulnerable transgender kids for purely partisan political reasons. Today in Alabama, instead of focusing on critical kitchen table issues like the economy, covid or addressing the country's mental health crisis, Republican lawmakers are currently debating legislation that, among many things, would target trans youth with tactics that threatens to put pediatricians in prison if they provide medically necessary, life-saving health care for the kids they serve. Just like the extreme government overreach we've seen in Texas, where politicians have sent state officials into the homes of loving parents to investigate them for abuse just to harass and intimidate the LGBTQI uh, plus community, today's vote in Alabama will only serve to harm kids. But Alabama's lawmakers and other legislators who are contemplating these discriminari- discriminatory bills have been put on notice by the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services that laws and policies preventing care that health care professionals recommend for transgender minors may violate the Constitution and federal law. To be clear, every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. All of this begs an important question, what are these policies actually trying to solve for? LGBTQI plus people can't be erased or forced back into any closets, and kids across our nation should be allowed to be who they are without the threat that their parents or their doctor could be imprisoned simply for helping them and loving them. Uh, President Biden has committed in both words and actions to fight for all Americans and will not hesitate to hold these states accountable.
0: That's Pisaki saying that puberty blockers and gender reassignment surgery for children are what is needed, and that they are going to uh, attack states which do not allow this. The Biden administration calls this gender affirming care, and they've released a document called Gender Affirming Care in Young People, which is absolutely chilling. It would allow children to be taken from their parents, and it would allow Schools uh, and others to have this, this kind of thing for children without parents actually knowing. Speaking of politicians, the question of what is a woman is a huge one. Let let me. Well, here's here's one example. Uh, Keir Starmer.
2: is it transphobic to say
1: only women have a cervix? Well, it is uh, something that.
2: Uh, shouldn't be said, it is not right. But Andrew, I don't think that... So Rosie Duffield should not have said that. Can you explain to people watching why she should not have said that? Andrew, I don't
0: think that um, we can just go through various things that people have said. Rosie Duffield, I spoke to Rosie earlier this uh, week and told her that conference was a safe
1: place for her to come, um, and it is a safe place for her to come, Um, and I spoke to others to make exactly the same principle. We do everybody a disservice when we reduce what is a really important issue to these exchanges on particular things um, that are said. The the trans community um, are, as I say, the most marginalized um, and abused of of many, many communities. And we need
0: need to make progress on the gender recognition. Now, he's saying it is wrong to say that only women have a cervix. Unfortunately, that's just biologically, scientifically, nonsense. Only women have a cervix. Another time he was asked, can a woman have a penis? And he refused to answer. And you can find numerous examples of that. It's very simple, I would say this, don't vote for any politician who doesn't know what a woman is. In Scotland, the Gender Recognition Act, it's so dangerous that even the Equality and Human Rights Commission have warned about its potential consequences. So what politicians are doing, because, because the big corporations are involved, because the media are involved, because academia is involved, because they, maybe at best, let's be charitable about this, maybe they think they really are helping, but they just haven't thought about it. They don't know, and yet they are legislating on behalf of the rest of us. And then the police.
3: We know hate happens every day in Scotland. It can be abuse, on the street or on social media, or worse. We know people are targeted because of who they are. If you've been a victim of hate, or if you've seen someone being targeted, we want you to tell us, in a way that you feel safe and comfortable. We know that hate crime harms individuals, their families and communities. It can destroy lives. We know some people think they might not be believed, or that it's better just to put up with things. We know that it can be difficult to report, but please know, it is worth it. We can help. If you tell us what's happened, we will take action. We take hate crime seriously. We know Scotland can be a better place. Whether you've experienced it, or seen it, or heard it, please report hate. We know that, together, we can make a difference.
0: Now, I don't know about you, but I find that really creepy. Why? It sounds good. Who would be for hate? But you'll note, they don't say what hate is. The police in Scotland say that hate is in the eye of the victim. But this is only in terms of certain privileged groups. So to some people, this, this podcast, they'll class as hate. Now, virtually every day, I receive hate mail or on social media, hate expressed against me because I am a Christian. Would the police challenge or prosecute anyone for that? Not at all. I put a link to a time when I reported the police to themselves for hate speech. And despite the fact that they say hate is in the eye of the the, the receiver, of course, they, they didn't accept that. So actually... What the police are doing, they are turning themselves into thought police, into the policing of morality. Ironically, the ideological progressive West is becoming like Saudi Arabia in creating a police force that polices what we think and what we say. And it's even worse than that. There was an article this week, and again I'll put a link to it, about a UK police force where... Policemen who identify as women should be able to strip-search women. So basically, biological men should be able to strip-search women. Then another big area. So we go from academia to uh, the media, the corporations, the police, the politicians, but also the schools. I remember in the House of Parliament, the... MPs. It was a small group of MPs. The first transgender debate they ever had. Two MPs, and these were Conservative MPs, stood up and said, "Forget the adults. We have to go for the children." And that is what is happening in our schools right now. Transgender activists are, and I, I saw this in my own city in Dundee, where the head of education for the council was a, a, a trans activist, and actually a Absolutely horrible person, not because they were trans, they just were. They were abusive and, uh, and attacked women, attacked me a lot as well. But I saw this happen. And this is happening in Scotland. For example, and, and, and throughout the Western world, primary pupils will be helped to explore LGBT plus issues such as the difference between assigned sex and gender using pronouns inclusively and stereotyping thanks to a book being donated to Scottish schools. Authors of What Does LGBT Plus Mean said their text was aimed at giving a positive introduction to identity, gender, and sexual orientation. Our children can't read, but they're being taught about pronouns. They're being taught about assigned sex. Assigned sex. They're being taught lies in our schools. They're being taught things that are factually wrong, that are unscientific, and fundamentally abusive. We'll come on to that when we look at the consequences. But here's a very simple one. There's a story, again I put the link in, of a Church of England school warning a six-year-old boy's Christian parents that he could be considered transphobic after he was confused by a boy wearing a dress. Um, The primary school staff on the Isle of Wight warned the six-year-old boy's parents that he could be deemed transphobic if he questioned another pupil wearing a dress. Just wow. If you have an inability to believe a transgender person is actually a real female or male, according to them, as a child, you are transphobic. And refusing to use a transgender transgender pupil's adopted name or gender-appropriate pronouns would be considered transphobic behaviour. I recall in Dundee a colleague telling me that in giving a nativity talk at a primary school, this is a primary school, these are children who haven't even reached double digits, I I recall that uh, he was saying, or actually she was saying about the nativity and said Mary was a pregnant woman and a nine-year-old stood up and said, you can't say that. You can't say that. How do you know she was a woman? Men can get pregnant too. I think of another time that a school, a teacher in a Scottish school, phoned me up on condition of anonymity, so I won't mention either the school or their name. Very concerned about what he should do with a, a teenage girl in his class who had mental health issues and had numerous examples of different behaviour along that lines. Had decided because of social media they wanted to be trans and that the head teacher was really promoting this and making it public because the school wanted to be seen as trans-friendly and get a Stonewall Award. And then health services. I mean, it's just extraordinary how much the NHS and other health services have bought into this. I, I, I've i got so many examples, but again, time, I, I can't allow me to do that. But take, for example, this has gotten so deep that a guide, an NHS guide, has at King's College Hospital in London, has said this. It's promoted prostitution as a way for transgender people to pay for their transition treatment. Uh, the booklet is entitled Cruising a Trans Guy's Guide to the Gay Sex Scene, and it, it, it advises people uh, not to tell what, ge- what gender, what biological sex they are. Um, basically, that's fraud. The NHS in the UK, men are being asked by the NHS in England, at least, if they're pregnant when they go into hospital. A number of years ago, when I commented on this issue on this podcast, I jokingly referred to, uh, we won't be able to say, breastfeeding. Within hours, I received an email from a prominent uh, surgeon who said, David, I know you were joking, but I'm afraid this is true. Uh, I have on my desk a letter from the British Medical Association telling me for the sake of the two trans men who are in England at the time, who are in, I think, in hospital, that we must refer to it as, and they had machines strapped to their chests. So we must call it chest feeding, not breastfeeding. I thought it was a joke. It wasn't a joke. It was for real. And then again, and again, it's how sad I can't even name these people. A surgeon contacted me and said that he was ceasing to do trans surgery because it had an 80% negative outcome. 80% negative outcome. Wow. Um, Again, I put a a link in to uh, trans doctors blowing the whistle. There's a great deal of information in that article. Social work. Just have a wee listen to this
1: so good evening anyway and welcome to this first webinar by EBSWA the evidence-based social work alliance my name's Maggie Mellon and I'm your chair for this evening EBSWA, EBSWA was formed in late in 2020 by social workers in practice and teaching in England and Scotland and who found ourselves concerned about and in conflict with the rapid capture of social work policy and practice by belief in something called gender identity. So we wanted evidence before adopting any such belief, and we set ourselves the aim of gathering and promoting evidence and insisting on an evidence formed debate. So we're delighted to have such a great attendance of nearly 200 people, we hope, for our first event this evening. That's something called
0: EBSWA, that's Evidence Based Social Work Association, looking at issues like children and consent. And so many of them have to do it anonymously because they're scared of being disciplined. And they point out this, that investigation alone blights careers and employment. Investigations are a punishment in themselves. I once and only once gave a sermon on transgender explaining the situation in my church in Dundee. And the evening congregation doubled and a number of the people who came were social workers. Who were not Christians, some of them. But they were just... So concerned about what was going on. And then the church. Let's just say something about the church. Some of the UK's most senior religious leaders, including former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, Steve Chalk, of course, and others, wrote a letter to the Prime Minister saying, to be trans is to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole. Now, again, I don't have the time to answer this, but I put a link to an article by Matthew Roberts in The Critic which I will quote from it, but please do read the whole article. It really is very, very good. And so the Chalk Williams letter has exposed an uncomfortable but now unavoidable truth about some at least of the LGBT plus movement. It is a religion. And that's an insightful remark. And it is a religion which teaches that spiritual enlightenment, sacred becoming whole, comes through bodily harm. In this, it most closely resembles forms of paganism, seeking transcendental satisfaction via the drastic mutilation of the flesh. This needs to be faced as a reality and it has some pretty strong consequences. Okay, well, we've only answered the first question and I am gonna stop there. This is going to have to be a two-part thing. Um, I want to leave you with two things. Uh, Next week, we will look at the consequences of all this. We've spent this week looking at how this has come about. Next week, we'll look at the consequences. But I'll leave you with two things. First of all, there's this wonderful sketch from Monty Python.
2: Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one.
1: What? I want to be a woman. From now on... I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus
0: going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? Here,
2: yeah, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression.
0: Symbolic of his struggle against reality. And then secondly, we can't leave this hopeless. One of the things that Christianity does is recognize all human beings, all human beings, without exception, as being made in the image of God and all of us as needing redemption. And this great song, Come People of the Risen King, is a song that calls us to unite in Christ and to to worship together, uh, to be those who delight to give him praise. Now, I do think the only solution to all this gender stuff and the confusion. I do think that this is an attempted dismantling of humanity and I think that uh, the only solution is to be found in Jesus Christ. But come back next week, Uh, we will, and if you've got any questions, please meanwhile do send them to me or any comments. If you'd like to support Quantum, then please go on to the Podbean fundraiser. As I said, all the links to what we've got today will be on the website. And next week, we will look at some of the consequences of all of this. And may I just simply pray God's blessing on you, whoever you are. See you next week. Bye.
2: is